Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 198. Happy to be live with you here on Facebook, proud member of the Education Podcast Network, and certainly on iTunes, wherever you are consuming podcasts. I am uh, excited to be on. Thank you so much uh, for being part of the show. Um and it is show number 198. I do want to thank today's sponsor, Havsies Cookies. Um, David Mafia is a former educator. Check out their company, discount code Murata15. Uh, after our guest does his next amazing feat, I am going to send him uh, some Havsies Cookies and he can celebrate with those and his, his family uh, with those cookies. We are going to meet Dr. Michael Hines today. Uh, Michael Hines is the superintendent out in Port Washington. So many things to talk about. Uh, so we are going to keep the intro brief because we do want to talk to uh, Dr. Hines. But uh, check out Hansy's Cookies, and we appreciate them sponsoring the show. Discount code Murata15. All right, let's get rolling. Uh, happy Tuesday. It is March 22nd. Hope all is well with you and your people. Communication is the opening theme, and that is certainly something I'm going to talk to Dr. Hines about about his communication style, the communication techniques. And think about it. When do we get criticized about communication, right? When does that happen? It happens usually when we do it poorly or we underdo it. We don't do it enough. Rarely, maybe once in a while, you'll get somebody, hey, enough, right? But rarely do you get, wow, that phone call with all that pertinent information keeping me updated, how dare you? or that short meeting you held with all of that effective uh, communication, right? It just doesn't happen. But if you look at the work that Michael Hines is doing uh, in Port Washington, that he's doing uh, in his personal life, that he's doing in his book, those are so many of the great communication techniques that we need to do more of, right? I'm inspired by these fireside chats. He took that coin phrase, uh, certainly from our former president there and, and right, just, uh, uh, that the, the, the communication, the idea of communication, uh, and that is certainly a, a point, again, in this book here um, that we are going to talk to Michael about. But enough of me chit-chatting. Let's get the, today's guest into the show. Here he comes uh, from Long Island. Dr. Hines, welcome to the program. All right. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate being here. I'm excited to talk, Michael. Let's jump right in with that. Let's talk about the fireside chats, the weekly phone calls home from you. They're posted on your website, but those calls are going home to every family in your district. Is that right? No, it, it is. It is true. So when I started here three years ago, um, you know, one of the things I heard often was that you spoke about it before communication or the lack thereof. So what was one way we can keep the district in the know as far as what's happening for the week? Maybe throw out an inspiring quote, uh, highlight some things as far as what students or our educators have done. So I try to keep it down to two minutes and it comes every Sunday evening uh, at 645. When I first started doing it, I had mixed reviews. You know, some parents are like, why are you doing this when I'm about to eat dinner or I'm putting the kids to bed or wh whatever it may be. But after a while, I'd say after three months, um, they really warmed up to it. Now, if I don't do it, I probably won't make it to my car. So that's that's how you know it, it works. Sometimes, you know, you just need to see, understand the purpose of it. Um, and, and again, the sweet spot for that is you, you keep it short and sweet. You keep it inspiring and you reinforce the fact that you can't wait 
to see the kids and staff uh, Monday morning. And is it something that kind of builds during the week? Do you have a running tab of where you're putting those speaking points, Michael? You know, it's it's pretty organic. You know, it, it, many times I don't craft them or create them until Sunday morning because sometimes things happen over the weekend or they happen on Friday. So in many ways, I, I keep them, um, I, I keep it open. Uh, what I'll usually do is highlight major district things that we would love to see parents uh, and students at. Like tonight, we have a board meeting, so I certainly highlighted that. We're deep, as you know, in, in the budget process. And as boring as that can be, it's important that parents do understand where we are in that budget process. I, I, interesting enough, a couple weeks, no, two weeks ago, some high school students wrote me and, and said that your fireside chats haven't had many quotes or they haven't been very inspiring <laughs> over the, the past several months. And I, so I called the students. I actually just had a Zoom with them on yes, yesterday. And I said, thank you for recalibrating what the purpose was. So, you know, being open to feedback, um, not, not getting upset when I, I didn't think it was negative, um, but understanding different perspectives, all those different things, I think make that fireside chat hopefully a little more effective. Yeah. Well, and we, we opened with communication, right? And you're proactively doing that. But the other thing you're doing, including when you got to Port Washington, was listening. It's a two-way street uh, there. So kudos to you again and, and your leadership style to invite that. But I, I think that's a great idea and uh, something I want to do more of as, as principal. Michael, so much to talk about today. You're the superintendent at Port Washington Schools, Long Island. Uh, you know, you've had some uh, some history there in Long Island. If you're watching live, I know we have a number of live viewers, jump in. Uh, I've told a number of people that you were coming on today, so I know uh, they might want to get involved with the show. But Michael, the, the, your, the opening of your book is about leaders taking care of themselves and leaders uh, being healthy. Uh, and I've made some changes in my health just by reading this book. Um, Tell me about that mindset and why it's important that you're doing it for yourself, but also for everyone that uh, that's got eyes on you. Yeah, it's um, well. First of all, many of us who are in leadership positions, we're doing it because we want to serve others, and we want to serve others in the highest capacity that we can. It's very hard to do that if you are not healthy, if you're not taking care of yourself, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and so. You know, I think I use them. I think I know. I use the uh, the airplane. You know, it's first thing, if something's happening in the airplane, oxygen to you. Then you take care of the kids. You have to take care of yourself, and it's, it's a very disciplined thing that you have to do. Which means you have to carve out time to do that. And it can't be like a scratch and sniff. Like, oh, you know, you can't. You have to go deeper than two inches, and you have to do it consistently to see any effects from doing it. So whether it's what you eat, whether it's sleeping more, whether it's you're walking more, you go into the gym, whatever it may be, those little things over time, I think, lead to not only cognitively you're clearer and sharper, but you're more present and you have more of ability to give back to the kids and everybody else that you're serving. And you're serving in so many ways you also did a big event yourself, these little health tips adding up to a big event, a 50K, Michael. Like uh, you could do some algebra word problems with that there. I mean, <laughs> tell me about that. What, why, why did you want to do it and how did you get through it? I know it was a tough weather day uh, for you, but tell oh, us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, wrote, I wrote the book just before the pandemic and then the pandemic clearly happened. And I 
found myself not taking care of myself, trying to just get to the next day in one piece because of everything that's happening. And I think we can all relate to that. And what I found last summer was that I was far from healthy. So I said to myself, you know what? I told my wife, Erin, I am going to run an ultra marathon, um, being that I was 50 at the time. So knowing I'll be 51 when I, when I would run it, I hate running, but I know it would put me in a good headspace. And I just decided to challenge myself and challenge myself publicly and hoping that others may maybe would try to do something outside their comfort zone. So yeah, ran that 50K a couple of weeks ago, just recovered from it. Um, but I'm, I'm not proud of a lot of things that I've done, but I'm very proud of the fact that I set a goal and I've stuck to it longitudinally. And my kids have seen uh, a difference with me. I mean, my, my own children. Um, and that, that inspires me to try something more, which is why I'm running another one <laughs> in a few weeks. And hopefully, as I said to you offline, I won't have to surgically detach my legs after that race. So we'll, see. well, hopefully you can put them up a little uh, a little bit. But help me with some math here. I know a marathon is 26.2. Yep. 70K. Where, where are we at? Where, so 70K is 40. I want to say like 43 miles. And so so my, my, my goal, though, is to at some point, listen, ultra, ultra marathons are there's some crazy people who do it, but crazy in a good way. Um, yeah, people running 100, 100 mile races, 150. My, my goal is to run a 100 mile race within the next two years. That, that's my goal. And then I don't think my legs will work anymore. After that. <laughs> well, listen, Long Island's long here. You, you're going to be doing the whole island pretty soon. Wow. So we'll see. Michael, what is so inspiring and, and thinking about quotes, um, I, I saw a great quote and I know you're very, very big on social media, but I saw one recently, right? Weeds and seeds. You can't plant those good seeds unless you remove the weeds, right? And what are the weeds in our lives? So so what, what were some things, Michael, that you, you planted all these great seeds? What were some things that you maybe removed that maybe wasn't helping your leadership, wasn't helping you serve others? Yeah, I mean, gosh, when I think about how long, it's my 11th year as a superintendent um, and almost, I want to say 17 or 18 years, maybe even more than that uh, as an administrator. Um, if I was to interview myself when I first started to where I am right now, I'm a completely different person, um, completely different person. Um, so I would say that I had to do an internal audit over the years as mm -hmm. far as things that I felt I needed to change. Um, you know, first and foremost, I, I wanted to be the Lone Ranger. You know, I wanted to do, do everything alone. I, I didn't need anybody's help. Uh, it was going to be top down. I said this, now do that. Um, and learned the hard way very early on that that's not the case. Um, because listen, you know, you take these classes and, you know, to apply them is, is totally different. Um, now it's, I don't think I make any decision without, you know, running it up the flagpole with certainly my cabinet and, and some other people that I really, really trust. So it was, that was a big shift for me early on in the early 2000s. And then the second suspending any certainty that I have about something, that was very, very hard for me to do. You know, it's like right, right away, I think I know what the answer is. When I'm listening to somebody, you were talking about communication, right? I think a lot of us, we download when we're listening to somebody speak. You know, and we're thinking of what that counter argument can be, as opposed to suspending whatever it is that we're thinking in some ways to counter that. And once I, I think I became a little more skillful in that area, that's allowed me 
uh, to grow. So I weeded a lot of things over the past, you know, 15, more than 15 years to hopefully come up with something that is a little more effective than the way I used to be. Well, good for you for demonstrating that growth mindset. I love that. I never heard that, you know, suspending that certainty. You, you know what you're going to answer, right? I'm a leader with ADD. It's a superpower, not a disability. But right when we can hit pause, and I love it, suspend that certainty. I, I've, I've never heard that. So good for you for modeling that. Michael, you mentioned about some things that have changed your life. And I know your daughter has changed your life in so many positive ways. And you share so much about it. Yesterday was National Down Syndrome Day. What did that mean for you and your family? What did that mean for your daughter? And, and how did you... Uh, promote, celebrate, and, and enjoy that day. Yeah, it, it's it's a very special day. Um, I would say every day is a special day uh, with with my daughter Sadie. You know, not to not to get too personal. When when Sadie was born, we we didn't know, and not that it would have made any difference whatsoever. Um, you know, the good thing about being an educator is that you know you've hopefully at some point you've been around all sorts of beautiful kids and and, and abilities and and what what they bring to the table. So I think they used the quote, you know, you think you're going to Italy and you end up in Holland, right? So, and so you get to learn things that you would never ever experience unless you have a child with Down syndrome or any other, I hate the word disability, um, or any other, you know, what schools do is they classify students, right? And she has, I have the ability to see the world to see the education system through a totally different lens, which is a real, it's a gift, it's a gift from God. And my wife and I are very thankful. Um, we've learned that if we have preconceived notions about children or anybody else, you really should just throw them out the window. Um, and when you see growth in areas that you never suspected that you would see growth in, it's incredibly powerful. Um, not only as a dad, but as a superintendent and what that does as to how you want to lead your organization. So, you know, Down syndrome is, um, I think people, again, have preconceived notions of what that entails. And um, I would say probably 95% of them are wrong, especially after you meet Sadie or some of the other beautiful children and, and adults uh, in this world. So, yes, we wore crazy socks yesterday and, and uh, Sadie had picked out her own outfit. And here in Port Washington, I cannot tell you how many students and staff wore different color socks to to help celebrate uh, the differences that we all have yeah and you shared a beautiful quote earlier in the week about you want to you want to learn about down syndrome or how to interact with someone with down syndrome you know, ask their sibling right and, and you shared that in a beautiful quote um so you know kudos to you for supporting that message and certainly with your journey with your daughter thank you i, I appreciate that yeah you know and it's hard. You know, listen, you know, I don't know if you guys watch This Is Us or any of these other sappy shows. You know, I, yeah, exactly. I'm the type of guy. I'll, I'll watch. You know, I said in a TED talk, I'll watch Undercover Boss, and I'm, you know, sort of, I'm so I, I, I mentioned the word Sadie, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh god, don't, don't do it. Anyway, I did it. <laughs> well, it's beautiful to stir those emotions. Certainly a shout out to our crowd uh, watching live. Uh, Jeff Evner, my assistant superintendent from Homer, New York, watching. Um, uh, Michael, we talked a little bit about social media and, you, and you're very active on social media. Uh, I love this quote you posted the other day, right? You, you're posting great leadership. Ships don't sink because of the water around them. Ships sink because the water gets in them. 
don't let what's happening around you uh, get in and weigh you down. T tell me about that. Where'd you see that? What, you know, tell me about that quote. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I think sometimes our um, the one thing that affects us the most is is our mind. You know, we we allow it to take over. And I'm a big fan of the Stoics. For anybody who's into philosophy, the Stoics, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, um, they they say over and over again that your ability or inability to control what happens here has a significant impact on the world around you. So yeah, that's the thing is, is don't let the things on the outside come inside and then take over. Because if it does, um, it could mess with, you know, your operating system, so to speak. And, and I think every now and then we need these reminders, you know, the whole point of me using social media is to try to send because there's so much negativity out there. I mean, goodness, if you probably the ratio has to be at least 50 to one, um, you know, maybe even more as far as negative to positive. It's like watching the news in many ways. Um, so I try to put something out there that's either a little thought provoking or gives us the ability to take pause and say, you know what, I think I'll, I'll try that today. Like today was is really bad. It's also about you, you don't know people that you meet. So what I put out there today was, you know, it was a, the image of someone's lifetime showing like an, uh, a line and you only know this much. You have no idea what they're going through. You have no idea. You pass people in the store, you go to visit teachers or staff members, you're talking to a parent who's upset with you. You don't know what's happening in their life. And so you need to pause and take a step back and understand they're coming from a place that you know nothing about and you, you need to treat it accordingly. And that's not always easy to do because you're dealing with your own stuff at the same time. Well, for someone like you that does so many things publicly, I got 22 minutes uh, this morning when I listened to your TED talk. You're in your five-year anniversary from it. Absolutely incredible. Uh, listeners, if you, you want to be inspired, you want to learn something, you want some leadership techniques, your TED talk, Michael, was outstanding. Tell me about that opportunity. Were you nervous? Did you did you fumble? Because when you were on that red carpet, you were spot on. I loved it. P-E-A-S. Peace. Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, the, the process. Yeah, I was invited to um, to apply, so to speak, because there's an application process. And then um, if they like your idea and what you have to say and your ability to articulate it, then then they provide you with a coach if you need to. I, I, I opted not to. I try to keep it simple for people to understand and make it personable in some ways. But was I nervous? Man, aside from me asking Aaron to marry me, uh, that was probably the most nerve wracking thing. Cause you guys, first of all, I can't sit still. So <laughs> for me to stand on this little red thing, this little red circle. Was yeah. A, yeah, it was, that was hard to do all by itself. Um, and I tried to have an arc to it, you know, as far as the story is concerned. But yeah, I mean, listen, it all comes down to what's the purpose of school? And I ask this question often. And usually if I ask 100 people, I'll have 100 different definitions of it. And the goal is to have one. And so if you were to structure it in some sort of very easy framework for people to understand, you know, P-E-A-S-P stands for physical growth, emotional growth, academic growth, and social growth. And if you have all those different buckets in every single classroom in a synergistic way where it's all working together, I believe you can then maximize a child's potential as far as the reason why they're there. A lot of kids, you know, I really, really believe they don't know what they're good at or how good they can be at something, as I say in this talk and many times until they leave school and they and they move into the real world. Like I didn't know I had 
don't know if I call them talents, but you know, uh, I guess a proclivity for liking certain things or wanting to find out more about certain things. It was whatever was dished in front of me. And that's not the way I like to learn um, when, when it's forced upon me. So I think there are a lot of different things we can do in the system. I think because what's happened in the pandemic, it's a real opportunity for us to re-envision what school can be. Um, but that is not an easy task. You know, when I, when I was speaking to Ken Robinson about PEAS, he didn't like the acronym initially. He said it should have been PECS, P-E-C. Uh, so the, instead of the academic, he wanted the C for cognitive ability. But I said, you know, Ken, it, it means people think they're going to work out in the gym. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to work, man. So anyway, it was it was a great experience. Um, scary as heck, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. Well, you nailed it. You told the great stories. You told a great story personally of yourself and your journey. Um, other stories mixed in. I love the comparison of the light bulb. Can you share a little bit about that, about kids with what, which type of light bulb there are? There were four kinds. So share that quickly. That was a Yeah. Great. So, you know, you have light bulbs that are turned on. I think we can see that when we enter a classroom, right? You know, you have the light bulb that starts to flicker when we start losing kids. You, you know what that's like when the light starts flickering and, you know, these old houses, you, you can see that when you turn it on. A light that is off, right? The light, the kid's done, like lights off. Um, you're not getting through to me and then a light bulb that's shattered and the light bulb that's shattered is by far the worst where they not only um, have a you know just horrific experience they the way they view the system um, is incredibly unsuccessful and that probably will turn into a generational thing which we never want to see if and when you know they have uh, children that enter the school system so you know my experience was I had all four of them and as I, as I said, the ultimate irony is I'm here doing this where I couldn't, I was the first one to leave graduation, barely graduating. And then here I am in this position, which I am beyond grateful and thankful for. Yeah. But you're not just sitting in a fancy office, Michael. You're doing no. things, right? Your work with recess, bringing play back into school. I mean, doubling the time of recess. Like, wow. You talk about going against the grain, but you're seeing great results. Uh, in that school should be fun. Uh, and I love how you talked about making it kid kid directed, right? Not something they're being told to do, when to do it, how to do it. Uh, so good for you for putting that mindset in action in the work you're doing. Well, I think what allowed me, Andrew, was to really, I shadow students too. So when you shadow a student and whatever grade level, and I've shadowed them all as far as grade levels are concerned, you get to see the school day through their eyes, what those experiences are like. And then you're like, wait a second, Houston, either we have a problem and or um, you can see things that are working really, really effectively. Um, so I encourage all you know, school leaders, whether you're a principal, assistant principal, superintendent, to not only shadow students, but to also substitute teach for a day and see how much you have a heart attack, how quickly you're reminded what it's like to be a teacher. Um, because I think many of us, when we get to certain positions, we forget what that's like. Not an easy job, especially now in this day and age, but it brings you back to your roots as far as, you know, why you're here. Awesome stuff. The TED Talk was a great feat. These uh, ultra marathons, these, these huge things. Writing this book, Michael, uh, what a great feat. And I, I said, I, I couldn't put it down. You know, when you read a book and you just... You know, you have excerpts from other people, takeaways, how you use the takeaways. I love that you wrote that in there. Tell me about the idea of this book. Tell me about working with uh, Code Breakers and uh, 
What was your inspiration here? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I found, and I said this in the book, unfortunately, you know, many of the things that I've learned as a leader is what not to do. Um, and that's, and I mean that in the most loving way. Um, I, I just, the, the framing of the book was meant to be more like you and I are doing right now. It's more of a conversation. Things I've learned over the years that I think should be non-negotiables when it comes to uh, education, when it comes to school leaders and how we can impact uh, students in a very, and staff in, in a positive way. So, you know, I try to think of, you know, different ways to make it easy to understand, um, attach it to people we may, um, we, we hold in high regard. And then to have, I think most important, vignettes, little s selections from uh, educators and their stories and how it attaches to what those chapters are. So I try to balance it out in a way that is easy to read because um, Listen, the last thing we have to do many times is to read um, as administrators and educators and to put it in, a, in very plain language, like we're having a cup of coffee. When, when it came to publishing, um, when I went to some of the publishers, they wanted to change a lot of the, the, the way that the, the book was rolled out. They wanted a lot of more research attached to it with citations. I, I didn't want it that way. And so Codebreaker, um, I was very fortunate uh, to stumble across They've been, they, they're like, listen, it's your book, your voice, you know, we'll make sure um, it meets our expectations as far as what we want to see. Um, we won't, we want it, we want that to be representative of you. And of all the publishers I met, they were the ones that really gave me uh, more voice in the book. So I'm very thankful for them. Yeah. And it comes out, right? You mentioned a conversation. Like I, I felt closer to you, not even having met you yet, um, reading the book. Like I could feel like, wow, he, he does these things. Um, and you talked about quotes before, and you, you know, that you, your students want some quotes. I don't know if you used this one yet. I love it. Page 78, right? People are saying how tired they are, right? People talk about how tired they are. And you write, you heard this quote, right? You often feel tired not because you've done too much, but you've done too little of what sparks light in you. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and it's so true. M Michael, you're a busy guy. You're, 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 you have children. You're, you're big, big superintendent. How do you do it? People ask me all the time, Andrew, how do you write your book? Like, how do you do it? Do you sit in your office? Do you dim the lights? Do you unplug your phone? How did you physically do it? There's a great book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. And in that book, he differentiates between shallow work and deep work. For instance, or for example, shallow work is I had to attend to 27,000 emails. Um, I have to call X, Y, and Z back. Um, I have to have a very quick meeting to do whatever. All right, that's part of the job. We get that. The deep work is when you set aside time to work on things, to go very deeply into it, and, and you create a surrounding in an environment where you know you are almost detached from the world. Um, and he gives an example about Carl Jung and what he used to do uh, to, to go away and to figure things out in his own mind. I try to create that environment for me. It's like writing your dissertation, right? It's like you have to find time to do it. Even though it's 24 hours in the day, you have to make each hour count. And so each day for a number of months, um, I found time very, very early in the morning before my kids got up. And at times after my children went to bed and Aaron went to sleep, you know, you find time each day to do it. And after a while, it's like Shawshank Redemption, right? When he's chiseling away after all that time. So that's what you do, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and then you have an outline, you have a framework, and then you just put it together. And 
that's how you do it. You just, you know, anything that we want to do, if we want to do it badly enough, um, you figure out ways to get it done. And I really knew if I didn't do it at that point in time, I don't think I ever would have been able to cobble together what I did. So it was very intentional and purposeful and I was lucky enough to get it done. Yeah. Well, and you're, and you're really modeling that uh, with what you're doing with the, the, the running and, and the book. And uh, I found a little getaway myself. Right. And I, I, I've been stealing a night. I'll go away and uh, I'll go for hours now. And I've learned that it, it really works for me. So you have to find your sweet spot. Yeah. Michael, you, you talk about mental strength. You talk about the stuff you're doing. Right. Give us some some time ownership. I don't call them time management. Give us some time ownership strategies of someone who, you know, is getting it done. You're doing it publicly. Give, give us some tips here. You have to learn to say no. Uh, that's that's huge. Um, that's very hard for me. Who's a good people pleaser? You have to realize you can't do everything, so you have to prioritize what you want to do. Like my my calendar, I have non-negotiable time set aside each day, at least two pockets of time where I don't have anything, but I have time to think. Um, you know, and a lot of my energy is in the morning when I first enter. So I know I'm, I'm operating. I think at a I'd like to say at a relatively high level and I know like around two o'clock to four o'clock is when it starts to dip and then I usually have a resurgence after like five so I know my cycle of energy very very well and so I try not to have too many meetings by the way my meetings are incredibly short not one of my meetings goes with that I'm facilitating more than a half hour 45 minutes I try to get to the point let's get to what we need to do you need to be respectful of other people's time as mm -hmm. well as you know mm -hmm. right so uh my calendar is very important i have two assistants here who are my you know part of the holy trinity um they are my right and left arm i rely on them very much and and they know um you know what i can do each day but it's being very intentional with your calendar this is what i tell my administrators when they're like oh my gosh we have one more thing we have to do we have what well it's like a closet if i buy a new shirt i'm getting rid of two that's the way you have to figure out your time because it's the one commodity we can't make more of and or buy. So it's very precious and you need to be very diligent with your time. And that's one thing I've learned over the years to do. Yeah. And saying no is hard. You know, it's like Andrew saying hard, saying no. Um, it's, it's not easy to do, but you have to at times. And maybe you can have somebody else do it for you as opposed to you doing it. Yeah. The mastering that calendar and, you know, between the tools we have, right. I, I, you know, you, you, you've got to learn to work these things and, um, you know, but I know just so much on your, on your plate. Uh, Michael, is there something that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? No, I, I think, um, I, I like the way that you, you touched on upon a lot of different things. I think, you know, as we started getting into the, the sunset of our career, it's important that you start, um, watering others uh, and, and assisting them. So giving back uh, to, to the new administrators that are out there who are really trying to, to make a difference in, in kids' lives. Like all our new administrators here, I meet with them once a month uh, individually and then as a cabinet here. A, they feel supported. B, I think um, we all share war stories as far as what's going on. And so giving back to the new talent uh, is very, very important. That's something I try to set my time aside for as much as I can, because I never had that. You know, I try to do the things I never had, and I, I never had someone, you know, take me under their wing and, and say, hey, have, have you ever thought about this and thought about that? And so I, I think the more we do that, um, 
better off our kids will be because we'll have talented, caring, compassionate people who know what they're doing. Yeah. And you're doing that for the people closest to you. But I got to tell you, Michael, for someone that read your book and who didn't know you before this, right, you're doing it on social media, too. You mentioned it's 50 to 1. Well, I would say your, your one is canceling out a lot of those negatives, including, uh, again, my friend Jeff Evner from Homer, New York. I know he's watching, but there's a lot of inspiration that people are watching you. So it is it is uh, uh, felt by more than just the people closest to you. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate yeah. it. And I, I'm with the theme surviving and thriving. I know it's not easy, uh, but you're, you're modeling health, you're modeling wellness, and you're modeling caring for others. So. Uh, it's great to see that in a, in a, a working superintendent. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, I guess the last thing I would I would bring up is it's important to be well read. Um, I joked around about not having enough time to read, but it is important to know what's happening in, in, in the latest literature that's out there. So whether it's you who's reading it or you have you know, your, your, your team reading it and then distilling it for you and sharing that information. Um, I think that's incredibly important that we're not living in, you know, as I said, in the 80s or, or, or the 90s. Um, so there's a lot of new information that's out there, especially how important movement is for kids and to understand the science behind that. And I don't know. I think that's incredibly important. So that's that's the last thing I probably share at this point is, you know, understand all the different things that are out there. Yeah. Do you, do you use Audible, too, with all the running you're doing now? Do you use I Audible? Did. Well, so my commute's an hour and a half each day, so I have three hours of PD in my car. I, I, I listen to a lot of videos. Um, I, I definitely listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, for sure. Rich Roll is one of one of the ones I've been listening to most recently, uh, and and it's in long form. So sometimes they're like two hours, wow. two and a half hours. They go very very deep. Um, so yeah, I try to use that as office space, you know, call people I haven't spoken to in 20 years. They're like, why are you calling me? Um, but you know, but in, in all seriousness, it's, that's, a, that's important time to, again, try to learn things that are new and different. That's probably the, the medium I use the most now yeah. is, um, is, you know, whether it's on YouTube or in, in, in other venues uh, to, to learn. It's great. Awesome. Well, I know people are getting a benefit from this. Michael, let's get to rapid fire. These are quick answers. These are Long Island, New York answers. Are you ready? I think so. All right. <laughs> okay. Speaking of well-read, last book you read? Last book I read was Creative Schools by Ken Robinson, only because I, we had our new vision and mission. So I wanted to become re-familiar with it. Yeah. Last movie you saw? Huh. The latest Spider-Man. I finally, I didn't go to the movies, but I... Just bought it for 20 bucks and don't tell my wife, please. I just downloaded it. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to hit pause for a second. Did you, You're a crier, right? You're, like, you're a crier. Oh, did, I you, did you Come get on. emotional with the, the, the three, the three Spider-Mans? Ridiculous. I felt like I was like eight-year-old lost in Disneyland. I was crying so much. <laughs> they really brought them together massively. They it really did. Cool. All right. Uh, favorite place to travel? Uh, I would say with the family is anywhere out east on the North Fork. Nice. Yeah. You mentioned uh, um, a podcast you listen to. How about a journal or a blog? Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, I, I really don't. I mean, uh, AASA, I'll read, you know, whatever literature that's out there. But I'm, I'm not really a, a blog reader 
or I don't really read journals too much. Oh gosh, I shouldn't say that publicly, but <laughs> too late. It's out of the bag. It's all good. Hey, I'm going to give you two. Certainly, uh, education, leadership, beyond. I'm going to sign you up. But I like the leadership freak, uh, Michael. They're short, right? They're quick. Yeah. They come every day, six a.m. So I will try it. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of high level work, Michael. You talked about the running. What are some stress relievers you go to? My kids. My kids, definitely. That's what keeps me grounded for sure. And my wife is an assistant superintendent, so my wife too. So we can relate to each other. Wow. Definitely. So those are my, yeah, it's, it's the family that that is my stress reliever. You must have to work hard to keep that school stuff off the table. It, it, <laughs> it, it is very, very hard. Uh, but after a night like tonight where there's a board meeting, you know, I usually, we, we unpack it. And she has one tomorrow evening, so we'll listen to each other. But it, it, there is something very beautiful about being able to share stories that we understand yeah. so it's great cool on 8 a.m on saturday morning i feel oh i love it i'm a morning person uh by far yeah i morning is my favorite morning is almost afternoon at 8 a.m for me so <laughs> definitely I, I love it 8 a.m i feel great a pet peeve of dr michael hines oh man oh god um <laughs> this is so weird all right. When someone's chewing a banana too loud, find <laughs> me. It's ridiculous. I, I shouldn't even say that. Oh, no. Don't, don't do it. Quiet down, everybody. Uh, this is show number 198. I, I haven't heard something. Okay. Long Island, watch out. Uh, best purchase under 100 bucks that has had a great impact on your life. That's a good one. Oh boy, that's a tough one. Seriously, a nice pair of socks goes a long way. And that sounds silly because we're on our feet all day. Yeah, I splurged and I got like a twenty-something dollar pair of socks, and it makes a huge difference. I sound like an old man now. I'm talking about socks, um, but it's true. We're on our feet all well, day long. When we were kids, they were, it was like a bag. Now they actually fit to your feet, right? You know what I mean? It's uh, true. It's true. But, like, yeah, so socks that are really comfortable, especially for, for us, like principals and administrators who walk around all day, huge, huge difference, great investment. Yeah, and I've been, I've been, I know we talked about no ties. Uh, I've been, I've been going with some short socks, uh, you know, kind of keeping it off the legs a little bit. <laughs> you, that's awesome. That's it. That's the way to go. Got to watch it when you're sitting down, though. <laughs> Just don't eat a banana either while you're doing that, because that, that would not be good. You better be quiet. Favorite <laughs> beach on Long Island? I have to say I love Robert Moses Beach. Mm -hmm. I, I There's something about the ocean. I mean, I could say Jones Beach, too, but it's too far from where I live. So yeah. I would say Robert Moses. Yeah, it's so, so, so wide, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about Shelter Island, too. Uh, what a special place. Uh, there. There's a beach on every street. Yeah, pr pretty much. Uh, it's 360. 360 yeah. beaches all, all the way around. Yeah. Sure. If you've never been out to Shelter Island, uh, Michael was a superintendent there. I've spent many summers there, and uh, what a great place to be. How mm -hmm. about how about your traffic hack? You mentioned your commute. What's your, what's your Long Island traffic hack? And the only one I have is I drive like Jason Bourne. That's it. So if someone's in my way, I just I drive on the staircase. I'll drive on the median. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, my traffic hack is because my commute's an hour and a half, I stay off the expressway. So I take Ocean Parkway. Uh, it's another 15 minutes 
but at least I'm not, you know, gripping the steer, steering wheel, like holding on to death. So I'd rather drive an extra 15, 20 minutes for a serene drive than to be stuck on the LIE. Man, it's stress relieving right there. Yeah. Something about Michael Hines that people do not know about. Okay. I once, that's a good one. So I used to play tennis often. Um, I was an assistant teaching pro and I taught. Oh, wow. Have you seen the Devil Wears Prada? No. Okay. I don't, I understand why you didn't. It's a very <laughs> famous movie. Anyway, the editor in chief of Vogue, Anna Wintour, is what that movie was based on. Um, I taught tennis to her at her house for about four years. Wow. Very interesting. It was very interesting, and she's a wonderful, wonderful person. So all the different stories that people have heard about her, they are not true. She is she's an amazing woman. Beautiful. Did you, as a tennis person, did you watch uh, King Richard about? I Sabrina? did. I did. Very, 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 very well done. Wasn't very that interesting? Well. What a great story, right? It was an incredible story. Will Smith was ridiculous, and um, I, I've said it for many, many years because I remember watching the two of them come up. Uh, Venus and Serena, mm. and um, they, they literally changed the tennis world. My favorite player, however, is John McEnroe by far. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, yeah. They mentioned him in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. He's a real New Yorker. Yep. Uh, Michael, you're doing great things in, in Long Island. You're gr doing great things that the writing, the TED Talk, very inspiring. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you? Um, yeah, my... Yeah, so I guess social media-wise, my Twitter handle is uh, MikeHines5. And then my Instagram account, gosh, i got to think about it, is Michael underscore Hines7. So those are probably the, the two best ways to do that. Yeah, and you're, and you're sharing the great things in your district, but you're sharing great things for leaders as well. Mikey had a couple uh, cool quotes, a couple things that really resonated with me. Do you have a favorite quote? Uh, maybe a mantra, maybe a mindset that you want to share as we end here? Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is uh, he who thinks he leads but has no followers is only taking a walk. And it's really about influence and how you influence others because in, in many ways, and I think it resonates for all of us, you have to really believe in the person and, and what they stand for. And so influence, as John Maxwell says often, that's one of his 21 laws, uh, is an extremely important thing. You can't force people, uh, but you can certainly influence them. So that's the first one that comes to mind. Awesome. This is Dr. Michael Hines, everybody, uh, uh, Port Washington, Long Island. Uh, Michael, this was great. Uh, I'm inspired. Leaders, uh, if you are looking for something, you know, whether to end your year with some inspiration, it's your summer project, uh, really great stuff. I've changed my diet. I've changed a number of things um, I'm doing. So, Michael, thank you for the leadership you are doing in your schools, as well as out on social media as well. Thank you. I'm much appreciated. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Good luck at the board meeting tonight. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. need it. All right, everyone. This is show number 198. Uh, happy to be on here, uh, Dr. Michael Hines. Again, please support our, our sponsors. You need to send a gift to somebody. Havsies Cookies, uh, great local company. Michael, we're going to send you out a batch there on Long Island after your next race. Uh, Murata15 is that discount code. I am at AndrewMurata21 on Twitter, uh, signing off here on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving. Take care, everybody. Keep surviving and thriving.